0: Chapter Twenty One Part One of War Surgery From Firing Line to Base. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dr. Beth Thomas. War Surgery From Firing Line to Base by Basil Hughes and H. Stanley Banks. Chapter Twenty One Part One Gunshot Injuries of the Abdomen abdominal injuries form an interesting and fascinating branch of military surgery and the ultimate results so far obtained have varied in the hands of different surgeons this can in part be explained by the different conditions which obtain that is one the distance and condition of the roads between the firing line and the forward units at which the surgical measures can be carried out varies considerably in different localities Two some wounds are received during quiet times others while active fighting is in progress three some surgeons elect to operate upon the cases that others would leave alone and their lists may in consequence show a higher mortality type of missile out of a large number of abdominal wounds caused by every type of missile those caused by bombs or other kind of high explosive are the most serious the least serious if such an expression can be applied to them are those caused by rifle bullets and shrapnel balls situation of the wound abdominal wounds suitable for treatment are either of the penetrating or perforating variety the point of entry may involve the thorax spine back perineum buttocks upper thighs flanks or the anterior abdominal wall if the wound be of the perforating variety the exit wound may occupy any of these situations thus in one case of a penetrating abdominal wound the point of entry was just behind the right clavicle and the missile a shrapnel ball was found beneath the skin of the anterior abdominal wall in the left lower quadrant we can recall a case of a perforating abdominal wound where the point of entry was over the supraspinous fossa of the left scapula and the point of exit near the apex of scarpa's triangle on the right side the missile may take any course depending on the position of the man when hit and its own direction with regard to him character of the wounds almost every type of wound has been seen in this connection from the small penetrating or perforating variety to wounds of large dimensions involving large areas of the abdominal or thoracic parietes the abdominal viscera may or may not be damaged despite extensive damage to the abdominal parietes and conversely an apparently superficial contusion of the abdominal wall may involve extensive damage of the abdominal viscera damage done to the viscera varies in the case of the small intestine many perforations may be caused by one missile the large intestine which is a more fixed structure does not escape injury though it is rare to find multiple perforations involving it Wounds of the ascending, descending, and pelvic colons show a marked early tendency to be shut off from the general peritoneal cavity. Multiple wounds of the small intestine show a similar tendency, but owing to their number and distribution, this is often impossible. Consequently, extravasation with general peritonitis will result. The gall and urinary bladders have been penetrated in a number of instances, the latter more commonly. Again, the damage may involve solid viscera the liver and kidneys have been the most frequently involved, the spleen less often. It may happen that the viscera escape damage altogether, but that the mesentery is torn. If this be the case, and the rent is considerable, then severe intra-abdominal hemorrhage is the usual result, and this is extremely fatal in a large percentage of cases. Should a large artery be involved, such as the aorta or the iliac vessels, death follows very rapidly wounds in the back giving rise to abdominal symptoms may not have opened the peritoneum it is very common indeed to find in this connection a retroperitoneal hematoma and in some cases when the missile has bruised the ascending or descending colon a fecal fistula has formed along the track of the missile infection of abdominal wounds small penetrating or perforating abdominal wounds though invariably infected do not show the same degree of infection as wounds in other parts of the body this is probably due to the greater ability of the peritoneum to deal with infection in only one case of penetrating abdominal wounds have we seen gas gangrene in the peritoneal cavity and this had occurred in a hematoma that was completely shut off in the right iliac fossa where a retroperitoneal hematoma exists gas gangrene is very liable to occur if the missile and blood clot are not evacuated Large tears of the abdominal wall are just as likely to become infected as large wounds in other parts of the body. A hematoma of the abdominal wall, the result of a contused wound, is liable to suppurate. A few such cases have passed through our hands, and the infection has proved to be a mixed one, B. coli being present in three out of five cases. Complications of the abdominal wound. An abdominal wound may be complicated by one fracture of bone, two chest injuries fracture of bone the abdominal walls consist of both soft and bony structures thus it is not uncommon to find penetrating abdominal injuries associated with compound fracture of the innominate bone the vertebral column or the ribs if the fracture be very comminuted pieces of bone may be carried in by the missile into the peritoneal cavity and cause grave damage to the viscera there is also the risk of the fractured bone becoming infected and this in gunshot wounds is usually the case paraplegia may or may not be present if the vertebral column has been injured but should it occur the prognosis is extremely grave early observations in cases of abdominal wounds former experience with a regiment has been invaluable in giving opportunities of observing cases of wounded men who die in the line or at the regimental aid post and so never reach a clearing station or a field ambulance it also gave opportunities of observing other important points in relation to abdominal injuries we found that penetrating abdominal wounds with the exception of those complicated by severe intraperitoneal hemorrhage do not at once or indeed for hours if kept quiet give rise to the abdominal symptom complex the symptom complex is present by the time the wounded man reaches the casualty clearing station as we witnessed and after the motor journey this could not be wondered at what so strongly impressed us was the difference in the general condition of such wounded men seen in the line and seen a few hours later at the casualty clearing station so long as the men were not moved immediately severe shock did not follow for many hours if at all in the case of many abdominal injuries the following instances seen in the line may be quoted to illustrate how long shock may be delayed even after the most extensive and rapidly fatal abdominal injuries private <clears throat> wounded by a trench mortar, anterior abdominal wall in great part taken away, with complete prolapse of the intestines which were apparently intact. One of us saw him immediately after it happened. He was lying in the bottom of a muddy trench, and his viscera was soiled. The pulse was slow, regular, and good. He talked sensibly, and having seen his own viscera, asked jokingly if they belonged to him. He drank some brandy and smoked a cigarette. This state of things lasted for fifteen minutes while trying to fix him up with shell dressings he quite suddenly collapsed and died in a few minutes the change was remarkably rapid private <clears throat> sustained a large shell wound tearing open the greater part of his anterior abdominal wall complete prolapse of the intestines followed five minutes after injury the pulse was eighty-eight steady and good the man was conscious and talked sensibly the viscera were covered as well as could be under the conditions necessitating some handling which rapidly induced collapse and death seventeen minutes after injury lieutenant-corporal <coughs> had his abdominal wall torn open by a bomb exposing his viscera which prolapsed through the wound seen five minutes after injury the pulse was eighty-eight steady and good and there were no symptoms of shock he asked for a drink which was given he was also given strychnine and morphia the viscera were lightly covered over he talked sensibly expressing himself strongly about the german who had done it shock set in after seventeen minutes and he died a quarter of an hour later these are three cases on which the above hurried notes were made at the time the class of case was puzzling and the following comments were made by one of us after witnessing somewhat similar cases many of equal others of less severity in cases of extensive damage to the abdominal walls, where viscera were wholly or partially prolapsed, it is difficult to explain the latent interval, varying from five to twenty minutes, in which the wounded man is cheery, talking, smoking, and able to drink. This is followed by intense collapse quite suddenly, and death rapidly follows. In not one of these cases was peristalsis observed in the prolapsed viscera. The pulse and circulation in the mesentery were good a hot cloth had it been procurable would perhaps have been useful as the sudden collapse was always associated with handling the viscera but this was impossible under the circumstances it is almost certain that the majority of penetrating wounds of the abdominal viscera are followed immediately by a of gut peristalsis and unless the gut is full of liquid material at the time depending on the time of the last meal and its character extravasation will be small where the stimuli such as handling the gut or the shaking of the wounded man during transport, can set up peristalsis in an injured viscous, requires confirmation, but there is strong presumptive evidence to show that it does. We have many times been impressed by the fact that if these wounded men be carefully moved to a place of comparative safety nearby, it may be an old trench, a shell hole or more luckily a dugout, given morphia, and made as warm as possible, they stand a far better chance of recovery than if hurried back immediately to a casualty clearing station and submitted at once to operation we are able to make this statement as a regiment is always early informed of the death of its wounded further we have often had to keep such cases in the line as a matter of necessity hence our opportunities of observing them for forty-eight hours or more this was not a regular practice because whenever circumstances permitted all wounded men were without fail taken back with the minimum amount of delay there is one exception to what has been said above and that is the abdominal wound complicated by severe intraperitoneal hemorrhage here shock is immediate and severe and any operation to be successful must be undertaken much nearer to the firing line than the present casualty clearing stations or field ambulances Six of these severe cases were operated upon by one of us in a dugout situated in the communication trench. Four died and two recovered. The four who died had sustained severe damage to the mesentery. The two who recovered were hit in the spleen and had suffered severe hemorrhage. Splenectomy was performed in both cases. In this dugout, it was possible to give saline and to keep abdominal cases if necessary. After the Battle of, <clears throat> from amongst a lot of dead and wounded men, a number of the survivors were rescued the fittest of the survivors were men who were suffering from penetrating abdominal wounds the result of machine-gun bullets they could be easily discerned from the other wounded by the fact that they were lying on their bellies they could talk sensibly and had good steady pulses and this forty-eight hours after being hit the remaining survivors were extremely ill and toxic all being the victims of gas gangrene this was not so in the case of the abdominal injuries for in not one that we examined could we discover gas infection and we ascertained from other medical officers that it was not present in cases they had seen many others were dead having died from what could be seen at a hurried glance to be gas gangrene the bodies were black blebbed and through rapid swelling had burst the uniforms they were wearing and the stench was characteristic three of the men with abdominal injuries who were rescued had faecal fistula apparently of the large intestine during the fighting of 1916, some men wounded in the abdomen who had lain out reached the clearing station. A percentage of them developed faecal fistula, others had an action of the bowels containing changed blood a day or two after admission, and one officer passed a shrapnel ball per rectum on the sixth day after being wounded. Many of these men recovered without operation, and were evacuated to the base. One case showing the advisability of waiting is the following. Private— <clears throat> wounded in the abdomen on July 1st, 1916, had been lying out for 18 hours. He reached the casualty clearing station 22 hours after injury. The wound was caused by a small piece of shell which had emerged. Pulse was 110 and good, and there was localised rigidity and tenderness in the region of the right iliac fossa. There was no vomiting, but the abdominal wall was retracted, the abdomen was opened there was no escape of gas though the small intestine was found to be punctured in seven places plastic peritonitis was localized and well developed and the great omentum was adherent fluid of a reactionary nature was present in the neighborhood of the injured gut but there was no escape of bowel contents the perforations in the gut were sutured and tubes were inserted down to the wounded gut and into the recto pouch the wound in the anterior abdominal wall was excised and the abdomen closed with through and through sutures of silkworm gut the small intestine was empty the pulse remained good for twenty-four hours after operation vomiting and distension then appeared and death followed thirty-six hours later we feel strongly now that this operation would have been better left undone and that this man if left alone might possibly have recovered because his case did not differ in the least from a subsequent number of a similar character which recovered without operation without hesitation we can say that lying out in an old trench a shell-hole or any spot affording cover distressing as it may sound has been the salvation of a large number of men who have been hit in the abdomen cases of men who were hit in the abdomen during quieter times and to whom it was possible to give more attention directly after injury are still more striking though hollow viscera have been involved these cases are conspicuous by the absence of shock two cases that were kept in a warm dugout developed faecal fistula there was only slight distension and with morphia they were comfortable both were evacuated to the base and as far as we know both recovered as no intimation of their death reached the battalion cases with damage to hollow viscera when seen soon after injury and provided they are not complicated by severe intraperitoneal hemorrhage show a definite and constant area of localized tenderness this area is quickly obscured by transport and by the time the clearing station is reached tenderness has become diffuse vomiting has commenced and the pulse rate increased to sum up a large number of abdominal wounds not complicated by severe intra-abdominal hemorrhage do not at once present symptoms of shock if such cases are not immediately moved and subjected to motor transport they remain for hours comfortable and present no symptom complex of peritoneal infection they are therefore after arrest and the administration of saline and morphia far better able to stand the journey in a motor ambulance and the chances of recovery are thereby greatly increased it is just a question of giving the protective faculties of the peritoneum and omentum a chance to assert themselves so as to minimize the risks of extravasation and shock during transport initial points to be considered in the case of abdominal wounds a fatigue this condition militates strongly against all classes of wounds b the interval of time that has elapsed since taking food during active fighting food and drink are necessarily taken irregularly a wounded man may have been several hours without food, in which case the hollow biscuits may be empty when hit. On the other hand, he may be wounded during the period of active digestion, in which case there is the danger of both extravasation and hemorrhage. c The nature of the food the soldier has been eating. This may be bully beef and biscuits, the emergency ration, or the ration issued during quieter times in the trenches. In the former case, extravasation has proved neither so extensive nor so serious d the time at which the bowels were last opened in the trenches there is a tendency for men to shun the latrine a number have been hit while there and the whole surroundings seem to exert an inhibitory effect on the act of defecation consequently when a man is hit he may have three or four days accumulation of faecal material in the large bowel in a large percentage of the cases operated upon sibilae as hard as bricks were present in the large bowel and rectum their presence forms one of the most difficult complications to deal with in the after treatment for they cause distension and a large degree of obstruction frequent enemata are required for their removal and occasionally digital manipulation a procedure which is both painful and distressing to the patient were it possible to administer an aperient to every man forty-eight hours before going into action it would undoubtedly favour the chances of those hit in the abdomen e the nature of the missile pieces of high explosive are more serious than shrapnel balls or rifle and machine-gun bullets f the presence of early shock this practically always denotes intraperitoneal hemorrhage these cases are of a very serious nature and will not stand a motor journey g the presence of other wounds complicating Compound fracture of the bones of the extremities, ribs, innominate bone, and wounds involving the thorax and spine, are frequent complications of penetrating abdominal wounds, and should receive due attention. Their presence only increases shock and reduces the patient's chances. H. Position of greatest comfort during transport. The Fowler position has been advised, but men with abdominal injuries prefer the prone position, and travel this way on a stretcher more easily. Problem of transport this will depend upon the military exigencies during active fighting little can be done at the regimental aid post beyond giving morphia wounded men must be got rid of and this may entail carrying them over rough ground often under heavy fire until the advanced dressing station is reached at the advanced dressing station little can be done owing to the rush of other wounded the next stage of the journey is by motor to the field ambulance and thence to the casualty clearing station roads may be bad occasioning much shaking and the patient's chances are thereby jeopardized during quieter times an abdominal case if necessary can be kept some time at the regimental aid post warmed and given saline the journey to the clearing station can be made more gradual and the chances of recovery are thereby increased it should never be forgotten that some men have morphia in their possession and dose themselves before the medical officer can reach them conditions in the casualty clearing station during active fighting many cases are arriving more urgent than abdominal wounds such are hemorrhages severe laceration of limbs calling for immediate amputation cases of gas gangrene calling for similar treatment thus rendering the operating theatre unsuitable for cases requiring laparotomy at the same time the energy of the operating surgeons is being severely taxed and this cannot favor the best results when pressure of work is not so great more time and care can be given to abdominal injuries consequently their chances are more favourable classification of abdominal wounds the following classification includes practically all the abdominal injuries seen in the present war one wounds associated with severe intraperitoneal haemorrhage two extensive injury of the abdominal wall with prolapse of the omentum and a portion of the gut a with perforation of the prolapsed gut B without perforation of the prolapsed gut. 3. Penetration of the abdominal cavity. It is here that a localised area of tenderness is helpful to the surgeon. 4. Perforation of the abdominal cavity. Here the course of the missile is more or less known. 5. Penetrating wounds involving the peritoneal cavity, but situated in tissues distant from the abdominal walls, for example, buttock, thigh, perineum, scrotum, and upper thorax. 6. Extensive wounds of the buttock involving the rectum and peritoneal cavity. 7. Contusions of the abdominal wall involving damage to the abdominal viscera. Diagnosis. Moribund cases arriving at a clearing station with a rapid pulse, pale, sweating, distended and dull in the flanks, are invariably cases of intraperitoneal haemorrhage. Often they die soon after arrival, some arrive dead. Those operated upon invariably succumb shortly afterwards cases of this kind that we were concerned with died during the interval in which efforts were being made to improve the pulse and general condition prior to operation injuries to hollow viscera show fairly constant symptoms pulse varying from ninety to a hundred and ten abdominal rigidity with retraction general tenderness rarely localized after a motor journey and persistent vomiting of a greenish yellow material the last-named symptom has proved to be the most significant and constant in connection with wounds of hollow viscera for the persistence and degree of the vomiting seems to vary with the amount of extravasation there is no passage of flatus or urine and a peritonitic facies is present purely thoracic injuries resemble in some respects abdominal injuries they differ in that these patients do not vomit persistently the abdominal rigidity is unilateral corresponding to the same side as the chest wound urine and faeces are passed there may be hemoptysis and cyanosis with cardiac displacement respiratory embarrassment and a short irritating cough it should however never be forgotten that a chest wound may involve an abdominal viscous a wound in the back resulting in a retroperitoneal hematoma is often very difficult to differentiate from a penetrating wound of the abdominal cavity laparotomy has frequently been performed for this condition and blood has been found free in the peritoneal cavity although the peritoneum has itself been uninjured with the latter cases it is very rare to find retraction of the abdominal wall on the contrary there is distension of the gut of an apparently paralytic kind which recovers itself in five or six days time we performed laparotomy on a few such cases and in all a paralytic condition of the gut with distension existed although the gut itself was uninjured the condition is probably due to trauma or pressure of extravasated blood upon the retroperitoneal plexuses vomiting sometimes of a persistent nature is not uncommon there is not the same superficial tenderness to palpation and rigidity is present to a lesser degree it is generally possible to palpate the posterior abdominal wall and it is then that the tenderness is elicited abdominal distension and not retraction definite tenderness on deep palpation when the posterior layer of the peritoneum is touched with the absence of superficial tenderness are the main points in the differential diagnosis between a retroperitoneal hematoma and an injured viscous wounds of the anterior abdominal wall which do not penetrate the peritoneal cavity may be associated with damage to a viscous one case presented a severe tear in the liver and in another the cecum was torn in every case of injury to the abdominal wall not involving the peritoneal cavity it is wise to wait a few hours and watch for developments if complications of an internal kind do not arise after three to four hours it may safely be assumed that there is no intra-abdominal lesion wounds of the thorax thigh buttock and perineum may involve the peritoneal cavity and this should always be borne in mind treatment on the battlefield treatment commences at the time and place at which the wounded man falls when active fighting is in progress the regimental medical officer can do little on the battlefield besides loosening the kit giving morphia and taking away the water-bottle these men must often wait until after dark before they can be rescued or taken to a place of cover but occasionally a wounded man with the loop of intestine prolapsed has been known to walk to the advanced dressing station when the advanced dressing station is reached further morphia should be given if necessary prior to the journey to the casualty clearing station this should be carefully noted on the tally and if time and opportunity permit the localized area of tenderness which is always present at first should be marked out with a skin pencil on the anterior abdominal wall this is invaluable information to the surgeon at this last-named unit as the local tenderness practically always disappears by the time the unit is reached during quieter times the regimental officer can give abdominal cases more attention in the line we found it possible to get them warm and give them subcutaneous saline before sending them on to the advanced dressing station when severe intra abdominal hemorrhage has taken place, the patients stand the journey so badly that, if possible, it is advisable to operate at the advanced dressing station and even at the regimental aid post, for by doing so, life is undoubtedly saved. As mentioned before, two cases recovered out of six operated upon in a dugout not far behind the front line. For in truth, none of these six men would have survived carrying to the advanced dressing station. They were all operated upon within ten minutes after receiving their injury. The bad results of similar though less severe types of wound which survived to reach the casualty clearing station must teach us that the practice of immediate laparotomy, though performed by us in only six cases, is not only possible under the conditions, but that it is the correct practice in order to save life. Men after operations other than laparotomy, which were of necessity performed in the line, have slept well under morphia prior to their removal to the advanced dressing station, despite the continuous din of artillery a number of cases of injury to hollow viscera which owing to battle conditions were kept in a specially constructed dugout made warm given saline and morphia and sent down a few hours later to the advanced dressing station reached the field ambulance and the casualty clearing station in a very good condition and it was noticeable that cases which had received this early treatment in the line often recovered for the battalion was rarely notified of a death early rest with saline and morphia is highly desirable in giving the omentum and peritoneum some chance to carry on their protective work on reaching the casualty clearing station abdominal cases should be put to bed with as little delay as possible and after a preliminary examination it is wise to wait three or four hours this will give the surgeon an opportunity of finding out which way the case is going and at the same time it gives the wounded man a rest after the motor journey should the pulse rate increase vomiting of a persistent type set in or continue and be associated with abdominal rigidity and tenderness then operation should not be delayed if on the other hand there is little vomiting and the pulse rate remains at what it was on admission it is better to wait if the missile is still in and especially if its position is suspected to be retroperitoneal an x-ray should be taken in order to guide the surgeon in his search for it the early removal of the missile especially shell is most important as fatal infection is almost certain to ensue if it is left in the retroperitoneal tissues we have in rare instances localized the missile in the abdominal cavity a second x-ray has shown that it has changed its position and after forty-eight hours it has been passed in the stool and this without any symptoms of leakage from the gut expectant treatment if after two or three hours rest in bed the pulse rate has not increased the patient has warmed up and become more comfortable and especially if vomiting of a greenish-yellow material is not frequent or persistent then it is quite justifiable to wait after a while the pulse rate may fall and its quality improve this is an indication that the intra-abdominal lesion is becoming localized sips of water may be given by mouth and this is aided by subcutaneous saline bismuth carbonate is given three times a day and tinctured camphor compound combined with it seems to have a beneficial effect in these cases the abdominal wound should be dressed frequently with peroxide of hydrogen and hypochlorite solution and a spreading infection should be carefully watched for the temperature should be taken four hourly these wounds do not usually give rise to serious infection if however a spreading infection shows itself in the abdominal wall it should be surgically dealt with without delay at the end of forty-eight hours one of the following events may happen a the pulse rate may have fallen and its quality improved the presence of a definite localized tender area may be present there may be a little distension with cessation of vomiting the patient may have passed urine and perhaps some flatus B, the pulse rate may be rising after a temporary fall and distension with persistent vomiting of an obstructive type may have set in should the second of these conditions obtain and it is apt to set in very rapidly then operation should be performed without delay three types of vomiting associated with abdominal injuries call for comment a vomiting on admission and aggravated by motor transport the vomiting may be persistent or it may diminish and cease entirely the cause is reflex and it has invariably denoted severe peritoneal irritation by the products of extravasation from a hollow viscous should it cease with rest in bed the damage done is probably being adequately dealt with by the omentum and peritoneum should it persist our cases have shown extravasation on a large scale such as would be caused by a severe rupture of the small intestine while digestion was in active progress rupture of the urinary bladder and the like persistent early vomiting is a grave sign and calls for early operative treatment b vomiting which has ceased and commences anew after forty-eight hours is generally obstructive and the obstruction can be traced to one of the two following causes: one obstruction in the large gut due to the presence of hard sibylle two obstruction owing to plastic peritonetic adhesions resulting from the injury the first named A is by far the more frequent, but we have seen both. Vomiting class B is associated with distension and so differs from class A. Without operation, we have seen men suffering from obstructive vomiting develop a faecal fistula, which has saved the surgeon the task of interfering and at the same time has perhaps saved the patient. Obstructive vomiting, if a fistula does not develop, calls for active interference, but the lesion is at this stage shut off and the outlook is better c. Vomiting which is not peritonetic and where no excessive distension exists is toxic and denotes grave infection in the wound or wounds especially if one be retroperitoneal. Vomiting associated with gas gangrene is well known and easily recognized and is an extremely grave complication. On the third day an enema is given. The ordinary turpentine enema has proved the most serviceable great perseverance is needed on the part of the sister as the rectum and gut are usually blocked with hard sibyllous masses sometimes after administration of an enema a faecal fistula has developed sibylle in this connection are perhaps the greatest bugbear to the surgeon in the majority of cases sibylle in great part have been the cause of obstruction following operation far more often indeed than plastic peritonitis and by obstruction they have been the cause of faecal fistulae difficulty in getting the bowels to move after operation is well known to surgeons at the casualty clearing stations when once the bowels have moved and the sibilae have been evacuated the danger as a rule is past. obstruction setting in at the end of forty-eight hours has almost invariably occurred below the site of injury in the small gut and has been traced to a large accumulation of sibilae in the large gut in only two cases did we see obstruction due to plastic peritonitis some surgeons have prescribed calomel pituitrin etc soon after operation and faecal fistulae have sometimes followed their administration again tending to prove that the obstruction is lower down consequently the bowel gives at its weakest point namely at the site of the original injury retroperitoneal wounds accompanied by paralytic distension of the gut respond well to pituitrin and calomel in two cases faecal fistulae developed and discharged through the wounds the fistulae followed the administration of a turpentine enema both cases were well and went to the base passing faeces by both fistula and rectum the amount passing by the fistula steadily decreasing it is very important in the case of retroperitoneal wounds to extract the missile which is often high explosive with its concomitant piece of clothing and to evacuate the blood clot as soon after injury as possible of course, a retroperitoneal hematoma and the penetration of the peritoneal cavity may coexist. OPERATIVE TREATMENT. The operating theatre has been either a dugout or a marquee or a hut. The type of theatre in which we did most of our abdominal work was a wooden hut. The hut was plain and unpainted. It contained five operating tables, side windows, but no skylight. After dark it was lighted by means of acetylene this was the scheme adopted at a casualty clearing station in france at a base hospital in the balkans the hut was divided into two separate theatres one of these was reserved entirely for civilian surgery and in it only operations such as the radical cure of hernia removal of appendix removal of internal semilunar cartilage and the like were undertaken this theatre the smaller of the two was fully equipped so that there was no exchange of instruments the larger theatre accommodated four operating tables of the service pattern and was reserved entirely for the surgical treatment of wounds all sterilizing was done in a sterilizing room containing three high-pressure sterilizers an anesthetic room linen room entrance hall and an annex containing a boiler for providing hot water completed the installation skylights and side windows provided excellent lighting and at night electric light was available Unfortunately, the theater was not dust-proof, and no operations except those of extreme urgency could be carried out when a vada wind was blowing. Splints, surplus dressings, etc., were kept in a medical store close at hand. During the hot season, surgeon, assistant, anesthetist, and theater staff removed all their clothes and substituted sterilized suits made of butter muslin. Over this was worn a sterile jerkinet apron, and outside all a sterilized white gown even in this clothing the heat was very severe and trying anaesthetic at the casualty clearing station in france the anaesthetic was chloroform followed by ether and whenever possible a preliminary dose of morphia and atropine was administered hypodermically ether was administered both by the open and closed method but by far the most preferable from every point of view was its administration by the endotracheal method captain l game r a m c gave endotracheal ether in a number of cases of abdominal injury for one of us and judging by the after history and progress of the cases the method proved far superior to either the open or closed method of administration diaphragmatic excursions are damped to such an extent that the surgeon's task is made much simpler and the energy that such excursions entail is saved to the patient relaxation is complete and there is no cyanosis or collection of mucus at the back of the throat it is indeed the perfect anaesthetic for abdominal work both from the surgeon's and patient's point of view and perhaps from the point of view of the anaesthetist in the east where dust storms abound ether anaesthesia is sometimes followed by a bronchitis which rather complicates the after progress of a laparotomy it is always advisable under these circumstances to give the anaesthetic warm intravenous administration of ether in very collapsed cases is probably the best for it is also a stimulant and does much to combat shock preparation of the patient after arrival at the casualty clearing station the patient should be put to bed made thoroughly warm and given two pints of normal saline to which four teaspoonfuls of sodium bicarbonate and one ounce of brandy have been added this is given subcutaneously this preliminary is most essential and markedly improves the condition of the patient prior to operation. It is probable that the bicarbonate neutralizes the acid products of fatigue, the brandy acts as a stimulant on the circulation, so aiding their rapid removal, while the saline acts as a diluent and an aid to excretion. This mixture in all serious cases of wounds has proved after extensive trial to be far preferable to saline alone. At the same time, morphia is given hypodermically if necessary at the end of three or four hours it will usually be found that the general condition of the patient has very materially improved he is now taken to the operating theatre the operating table should be warmed by an apparatus if provided or by hot water bottles and great care must be taken in this connection not to burn the patient all necessary shaving and preparation of the skin can be carried out whilst the anaesthesia is being induced it should not be done in the ward or marquee, as this involves an exposure which does more harm than good and further distresses the patient intraperitoneal haemorrhage most cases of abdominal wounds complicated by severe intraperitoneal haemorrhage die shortly after their arrival at the casualty clearing station if indeed they survive the journey little success if any attends a laparotomy at this stage consequently the operative treatment of such a condition will not be discussed here we would only suggest that if operation is to be of any use in this fatal class of case then it must be performed far nearer the firing line than either the casualty clearing station or the field ambulance we mentioned before that we had the opportunity of operating upon six cases in the lines but we never made a practice of operating upon them at the casualty clearing station for the results were both hopeless and disheartening and the time taken over the operation which rather hastened the end was more profitably spent in dealing with cases that were more likely to benefit wounded men suffering from intra-abdominal hemorrhage must be put to bed without delay and every effort made to rally them before undertaking operation it was during this interval that so many of them died and the futility of an operation in such cases was obvious penetrating and perforating abdominal wounds not complicated by intraperitoneal hemorrhage in addition to the abdominal wound the surgeon has to reckon with fatigue shock mental complications and other wounds elsewhere which so frequently accompany an abdominal injury we have frequently operated upon men with penetrating abdominal injuries who have in addition other complications such as a penetrating wound of the skull gas gangrene of one of the extremities compound fracture of the bone and the like if such exist then the surgeon has further to allow for a degree of bacterial toxemia and added shock operation the operation must be carried out as quickly gently and deftly as possible and in most cases the actual time varied from twenty minutes to half an hour prolonged operations under these circumstances are very badly borne and any additional shock must be avoided a further pint of normal saline solution containing two teaspoonfuls of sodium bicarbonate and half an ounce of brandy is slowly run into the subcutaneous tissues of the axilla during operation we have always used lane's bag for the administration of the saline the abdomen is shaved cleansed well with ether and painted with iodine dry preparation the incision is determined by the area of maximum tenderness and if possible is made paramedial on opening the peritoneal cavity the first point the surgeon looks for is escape of gas or bowel contents before the peritoneum is incised its external appearance may be dark in colour denoting some degree of intraperitoneal haemorrhage all extravasated material and blood should be removed with gauze mops and a systematic examination of the gut carried out the small intestine should be quickly examined in its entirety looking both for damage to gut and damage to mesentery this examination is carried out quickest and with least shock by starting at the ileocecal junction as each loop of small gut is examined by the surgeon his assistant immediately returns it if sound to the peritoneal cavity by this means exposure of the gut is reduced to a minimum as each perforation is met it is immediately sutured with two layers of fine thread when the small intestine has been examined and repaired the surgeon next turns his attention to the large gut and starting at the cecum proceeds to examine the whole of the colon any perforations are repaired in just the same way as in the small gut if necessary the stomach especially in cases of wounds involving the chest the liver and spleen must be examined and any necessary repairs carried out at the same time a search for the missile should be made and this is most frequently found either one in the lumen of the gut two in the bottom of the rectovesical pouch three wrapped up in the greater omentum four in the abdominal wall this done the peritoneal pouches are cleaned out and mopped dry in nearly all our cases we have inserted a drainage tube both to the damaged viscous and a smaller one to the pre-rectal pouch we have never drained the flanks the abdomen is now closed with through and through sutures of silkworm gut and two to three ounces of warm ether are introduced into the peritoneal cavity through the tube leading to the pre-rectal pouch the tube should then be clamped with a pair of spencer wells forceps and these should be removed three hours later the removal of the forceps is often followed by a gush of blood-stained fluid from the tube dry dressings and a many-tailed bandage complete the operation and the patient is immediately returned to a warm bed with plenty of hot-water bottles it may happen that when the abdomen is opened there is no escape of gas blood or extravasated products of the gut the peritoneum clothing the gut may not be inflamed in fact, no sign of local or general peritonitis may be apparent, although the gut may be distended. If such a state of affairs be met with, it is not necessary to explore the gut from end to end, for the cause of the condition is usually staring the surgeon in the face, that is, a retroperitoneal hematoma. Any surgeon who has handled many of these cases knows almost instinctively when the gut has been damaged an inflamed unpolished condition of the serous coat is almost pathognomonic of an injured hollow viscus and in these circumstances the gut must be investigated again the peritonitis may be localised and if this is the case only that portion of the gut within this area calls for examination we have seen cases in which the peritonitis has been entirely limited to one half of the peritoneal cavity the remaining half being shut off and again cases have occurred in which only one of the abdominal quadrants has been involved it may happen that the gut has escaped injury yet one flank may be full of blood due to a damaged kidney spleen or liver the amount of work required inside the abdomen varies enormously and every case must be dealt with as occasion demands excessive handling however must be avoided for not only does it increase shock but it tends to the spread of peritonitis in cases where this latter condition has become localized where early peritonitis is general, then the whole gut must be examined in a quick methodical manner. What has been said so far applies generally to cases of penetrating abdominal wounds. The wounds of entry and exit, if the last named be present, must be excised and often primary suture after excision can here be practised. End of chapter twenty one, part one.